In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You are advised that any view expressed by the host or their guest are not necessarily the views of the owners or management of Toginet Radio, Togi Entertainment, or the Owners Group, Inc. Girlfriend, here is your show. Girlfriended, your chance to connect with other women, especially the woman that is most overlooked, yourself. Girlfriended is all about helping you become self-aware, not self-involved. The aim is to provide information that relates to life, which leads to real connections and results in a desire to connect or care for those in need. The Girlfriended principle was born out of loss. Patty's mother was murdered, and Lisa lost her mother to cancer. This forged a bond between them that nothing could shake. And now the women want to help you in more ways than you can count every day. From the website, GirlfriendIt.com, and the movement, GirlfriendIt, here are Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan on Toginet.com. Well, how do we lead a life of impact within our own home? Welcome to GirlfriendIt, where we want to rally you to do the remarkable. This is Patty and Lisa, and today we'll be talking with dynamic, high-capacity women, including moms, high school counselors, and a youth pastor. Well, what should we be telling our teens? That's going to be the question because that is, a, that is an interesting stage in life that we're going to be talking about teenage years. And um, I am proud to say that I am post-teenage years you're, as a mom. You're, you're very proud to say that, and you say that quite often. And I remind you of that <laughs> because you are in the middle of the teen years right now. Yes, I am. And um, I, get to, I get to watch you with a smile on my face as you <laughs> are going through these times because I did it. And I'm living proof that you can survive it. Um, it's, it, there's a couple of rough bumps during that time. And still be healthy and still laugh. Maybe laugh a little bit more than you normally did. At you. <laughs> at you, because I'm not, I'm not totally feeling your pain right now. But you were kind of with me through my experience a couple years ago. So, Well, who would have known a high school uh, homecoming is so dramatic? When you have two in high school, it is like the most dramatic thing you could possibly ever, ever imagine. <laughs> well, you know what? It, it's so funny because just in the past few years, it's changed dramatically just the whole high school experience and the expectations and all that is involved. Because I know my kids, like even just like you said, getting asked to go to a dance, it's like a mini wedding because you have to invite in a certain way and you have to give a certain response. That's a whole event in itself. And then you have the day of, and that has to be a whole event where people are getting elaborate, where they're flying to Disneyland for the day or whatever. And then you have the actual dance and then you have the post dance. So by the time you get done, you're really committed time-wise and money. Yes. And it can be it can be exhausting. And I think one of the biggest tips for today that we'd really like to um, just make sure that we hit home over and over again is effective communication with your teens. I think so many times as parents, even dealing with you know homecoming dance and, and all of that, it's staying current current with them and communicating to where even that setting the boundaries of you know this is how much money that maybe we'll put into it. You have to come up with the other. Otherwise, they do. They start going crazy with all their dreams and expectations. And a lot of it is just that the battles are not won because you never communicated in the initial part of it. And we, we live in a culture where um, so many times as parents, we I like to call it the drive-through culture. We drive them off, drop them off at school, let the teachers basically raise our kids, drive them off you know, to church, let the youth pastors raise our kids, and we really do need to engage and communicate with them. Absolutely, and um, and it is a challenging season, and that's why we really need 
the support of others. We need to kind of form a team around this of other moms that are going through it and people that have gone ahead of us to go, you know, it's possible to keep going forward. And we're talking about leading at home, which sometimes it's hard to put those two words together because we don't feel like we're leading so much at home. We feel like we're surviving Mm -hmm. at home. But it really is important to take some leadership principles that you would use in your job or anywhere else and apply them to the home. And I think so many times as parents, we try to be our kid's best friend and the buddy too much, and so we don't actually lead them and guide them to help them become all that they can become. And I know as having two kids, um, a son and a daughter, it's interesting because both, both of my kids were, had totally different temperaments. Mm-hmm. And you really have to be a student of your teens, you know, and just really understand how they're wired, what makes them tick, what motivates them, because what motivated my son didn't motivate my daughter, and that was really challenging because you want to do the same thing. My son was older, and it doesn't work, so you have to figure out what works. And I honestly think girls are a little more difficult sometimes, but boys have their own set too. So I know we have some moms that have sons that would go, no, 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 sons are more difficult. But for me, it was the daughter. A little more drama, a little more high drama with that. And some days I just remember looking at her and, you know, just being exasperated and going, I love you so much, but right now I really don't like you. <laughs> and that goes back to effective communication. Yes. Staying current. And I was very current in that moment with that thought. But I loved her to death, and she knew that. And she didn't like me in that moment, too, and I was okay with that because my role was not to be her best friend and her yeah. buddy in that moment. It was truly to lead her and guide her to become the best, you know, person she could be and see beyond. And I think sometimes we forget that leading is so significant in the home because a lot of times we're just exhausted. Mm-hmm. And it takes a lot of energy to lead at home. Yes. Oh, yeah. It would be really easy when you're dealing with a battle to just go, whatever. Do, do what you want to do, and, and we're good with that. Rather than, no, I'm here as a parent. I'm going to guide them, and sometimes it's not fun, and I have to go through the struggles. I know one of the interesting things with, that I've noticed in the whole teenage realm when you talked about dealing with your daughter on those emotional, hormonal, you know, rages and you that saw, you get. And you saw a couple of them. I, I, do. I think you witnessed a couple of them. <laughs> yes. But it's Facebook. Yeah. They, what you're trying to get them to do, and, I, and the, I, I think this is one of those tips that I wish someone would have, you know, just like warned me about Facebook um, earlier, is watch what your kids are putting on Facebook. We, we know so many women that go, ah, I don't want to be on Facebook. Oh, that's just a waste of time. But if you have kids, I would really, really recommend that you're on Facebook. And then teach your, your children, once again, that effective communication. Just because you have a thought or a feeling doesn't mean you have to write it on Facebook and put it in your and status. And that's it for the world, for the you know, World Wide Web. And the thing of it is, is it doesn't go away. It's out there, and once it's out there, it kind of sticks. And, you know, even just in the, in the few years, because it's been, um, you know, my kids are in their 20s now, and Facebook was not a part of our world back then. Yeah. So it is even differently. It's very different even what I experience and what you're experiencing right now. But i, I got to say, though, my daughter is one of my best friends now and just a delight. And so we did survive those teen years, mm-hmm. and she's an outstanding adult. And you and, like um, her all the time. I <laughs> like her all the time. And so anyway, I just want to give that you can survive that, and they turn, can turn out to be really decent human beings and even people you really want to hang out with. Yes. yes. And I think that's what's fun. That's the, that's the goal is to really guide them through those difficult years. And one of our things was when we were parenting is like every year that went on, we wanted to kind of let out the leash a little bit more and give them a little more um, kind of freedom because we wanted them, if they were going to fail, 
and, and make a bad decision or bad choice. We wanted them to do that while they were still under our roof and not when they went away to college and just went crazy. Because you see so many kids, they go crazy when they get in college. Mm-hmm. They don't know how to really handle their freedom. And they make poor choices that sometimes will affect them the rest of their life. They don't have anybody there to be with them, to guide them through it. So we wanted to be there. It's like, if you're going to fail, fail while you're under our roof in mm-hmm. high school so we can be there to talk it through. And like you said, effective communication is everything. And we wanted to have those conversations with our kids going, there's nothing you can't tell us, and we will always love you no matter what you do, which goes back to, uh, we've talked about this a lot, Patty, is um, so many parents, they, they don't want to believe that their kids are capable of doing something mm-hmm. wrong. Mm-hmm. So if somebody says, your child did this, they immediately defend their child, which we all need to defend our child and be our child's advocate. But at the same time, we need to be realistic and go, maybe my child did have a part to play in this. Yes. And be able to talk them through and not just candy coat it and let your child get away with it because you're really not doing them any favors yeah. in the long run. And that's one of the things I was, you know, my husband and I were just, we we're always aware that our kids are capable of anything because we are capable of anything. And the moment you say, I would never do that, is the moment you let your guard down. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just important to just go, no, my child probably could get in trouble. Mm-hmm. And you know what? And then if he does, he's going to have to do the consequences and I'm going to be there with him, but he's going to have to pay the consequences. And I think... So many times as parents, we don't want our kids to endure the consequences. Well, and I also think that, and, and, and I'm not trying to justify, you know, because hopefully I'm not there yet. My teenagers can make some big mistakes. But just because they make maybe some terrible mistakes along the path doesn't mean they're a bad person. And I no. think as adults and parents, you know, we have a tendency. I know I have thought that in the past. You don't mean to judge, but you go, wow, you know, their kids, smoking pot or their kids are doing and and sometimes it it's a silly silly phase it's a stupid decision on their part and this too shall pass but when you're going through it it's it's horrific and I I, like you said don't ever think that your kids aren't capable of that and I like the point you said that they're not a, a failure they did something that failed or they didn't made a bad decision, but that doesn't label them a failure because we all need to be able to have the freedom to fail at something and to go, I learned from that experience. And be able to, I think when your child makes a, a poor choice in something, is, um, you know, there are consequences. I think we need to enforce consequences, but we also need to talk them through that and, and just to go, it's okay. It's okay you made a poor choice here. What can we learn from it and going forward? Because that's really our best um, way we learn is through our experiences and what not to do. We learn so many times what not to do. And so I think it's not labeling our kids. And we see so many parents, they will label your kids. Yeah. You, you'll never amount to anything. And I think our words are so significant. Mm-hmm. And we do hang on words. I mean, we've even had conversations where we've had a teacher or somebody in our life that we both remember from high school that says something to us. And, um, and then, um, we, you know, it just stays with us. And it and it kind of defines us. We allow it to define us. Oh, absolutely. And and it, <laughs> right now we're laughing because we're thinking all, all kinds of words that we can say to each other. <laughs> Patty is really being misbehaving and being inappropriate, and I can read her thoughts in her eyes, so we are so sorry. <laughs> and labeling each other. And I just swallowed something really weird in the midst of a laugh. But I do want to say, going back to even what you said, during, during that time when you might be going through this, you know, horrific mistake that your child has made, that's a time when you really do need to surround yourself with that support group. And I know I had a girlfriend when her 
um, son was, was kind of going off on a different path, she pulled out because she, there, it's almost like you're embarrassed because you it, isolate yourself. Yeah, it's saying something about your parenting. So if my child is responding this way, I must be a terrible parent and I'm just going to, I'm going to go in this funk rather than surrounding myself with these people that I can talk to and be able to process this out loud. Because we all get it. We've all had teenagers. There's not a perfect teen and there's not a perfect parent. And I think we just need to get that out and go, okay, so now what can we do if we talk together and as we come together? And so we're excited about this show because we're going to be talking about from the different angles and dealing with teens. And coming up next, we have a dynamic mom who's leading at home and leading at work. It's going to share her This is Girlfriended on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. Is there more living for you to do? Yes. Start living inspired. Be here for Living Inspired with Trisha Goyer. Thursday afternoons at 4, 3 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Trisha will dig deep into topics that matter most to women, inspiring women to make a change in their own lives and to make a difference in the world, and maybe even deep within their own hearts. Trisha is a wife, mom, speaker, family expert, and author of 24 books. For more information on Trisha and Living Inspired, go to her website, trishagoyer.com. That's T-R-I-C-I-A-G-O-Y-E-R.com. Trisha's vision is to be the voice of hope and possibility for women of all ages. Her intention is to serve ordinary women by encouraging extraordinary things with God's help. Trisha expresses real life, real hope for real women. Is there more living for you to do? Yes. Start living inspired. Living Inspired with Trisha Goyer. Thursday afternoons at 4, 3 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Why do I feel so lousy? Why aren't my medications working? Why can't my doctor figure me out? These are just a few of the questions Dr. Kevin Connors will be exploring in Dr. Kevin Connors Live every Monday night at 9 p.m. Eastern, 10 p.m. Central on Toginet.com. The author of the book, Help, My Body is Killing Me, solving the connections of autoimmune disease to thyroid problems, fibromyalgia, depression, ADD, ADHD, and more. He'll dig into these and many other conditions to dissect the mechanisms of your problems. Giving God the glory and looking for answers to make you look and feel better. To make you feel whole again. For more on him, his book, and the show, check out UpperRoomWellness.com. Never be satisfied with a diagnosis. There is always a reason behind it. And if you can alter the mechanisms that led you down your current path, we can change your future. It's Dr. Kevin Connors, live, Monday nights at 9, 10 Central, here on Togginet.com. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Well, this day we are talking about leading at home and the, just the challenges of that and, and just uh, to be able to lead and thrive and just not survive. And with us now joining us is our friend Kim 
who is in that teen stage that Patty is in, and I get to just kind of smile and watch you guys because I've been there, and we all understand these challenges, and we all have had kids like this. So, Kim, welcome to Girlfriend It. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Hi. <laughs> well, Kim, obviously you and I and Lisa talk all the time, and and occasionally we will hit the topic uh, of teenagers and kids, and since we have such a, a short amount of time, we're just going to dive right in there, and I know you're okay. playing a little bit in the in that teenage world as you have a son entering into that, so tell us a little bit that would really help some of our listeners out there who are struggling with those those hormonal years of um, your your child figuring out independence and all that other fun. And just dynamic. so you know, you're in a safe place because you have all of us listening and, and, and <laughs> surrounding you and cheering you on because we understand the pain. So um, we just want to be real because I think so many times as women when we get together, we don't deal with the real issues because we want to have our image look so, you know, we're about that more than the real issues. But we, we're really about helping women lead their lives better at home for greater impact. And so we really need to be honest with each other. So we just appreciate you just being willing to be authentic with us. So um, go ahead and share with us some of the, the things, that the challenges. There's a lot of them. <laughs> <laughs> well, my son is, he's not technically a teenager yet. He's, he will be in a few months. But he, I think, has wanted to be a teenager since he was two. And... <laughs> He's, I mean, I can distinctly remember a conversation when he was two years old and he, he was telling me about he couldn't wait to get his driver's license, what he was going to do when he got it. He was going to take his, his, his friend Adam and they were going to go to McDonald's and he was going to drive there and he couldn't wait for that day. <laughs> and so he's, he's, always, he's a very strong old child, so he's always pushed. And so um, I guess I was... Unaware, as actually a lot of my girlfriends with, with boys the same age were, at what age it started. I was telling Patty this the other day that we thought, oh, 14, 15, that's when the difficulties start. But in reality, it started at 10 and a half. And for pretty much every one of my friends that had boys, there, there's a bunch of us that have boys born within a few months of each other. And we all started talking that one summer going, what is their deal? <laughs> and it had never dawned on us that the hormones could be kicking in at that age. Yes. But then, as we talked more and more to each other mom of their boys, it all started at around 10 and a half. Um, I mean, we know from studies and stuff, puberty starting earlier in girls and boys. Mm-hmm. Um, and so technically, he's not, you know, technically it's not puberty yet, but it is, there's a surge at that age. And so we started looking online and stuff and finding out, yeah, there, <laughs> there's some changes happening. And then we started to see, you know, 11, 12, a pimple here or there and, you know, start to see the stuff coming on. It's well, all that growth hormone in the milk. <laughs> yeah. Blame it on the it's milk, chicken, Kim. Chicken breast, everything, whatever. I don't know. I can't avoid it. But um, So we started noticing emotional, you know, outbursts, um, really cranky and then crying. <laughs> and then um, we really started noticing the pushback for authority, especially mm-hmm. female authority mm-hmm. at that age. And um, so, like I said, he's always been a strong little child. This became really difficult, um, especially, I think, for my husband and I. We're both first-born <laughs> children. Technically, we're not supposed to be married. That's what the birth of looks because we both like to be the boss and, you know, have our way. And this was just not sitting well with us. And 
we clamped. We just probably most of the time reacted with anger. His anger, we reacted with anger. And it's just, you know, it would just get elevated on both sides. And finally, I'm like, I, I talked to my husband, I said, this is not going right. <laughs> and I'm getting worried. For as he gets older and older and is exposed to more things, I just see him resisting everything. And so we said, you know what, we need to get some help. And so we started to see a counselor um, who actually specializes in kind of um, grumpy teenage boys. And, um, you know, that was really helpful, one of the best things that we've done, just to get someone else involved. And, um, you know, we live out here. We don't have any family here. And so I do think that actually contributes to part of the problem is there's not this um, multi-generational influence on him. Mm-hmm. And we, we have friends who are dear to us who are like family out here, but they're the same age as us. Mm-hmm. So we don't get this multi-generational influence on him that I think is really important for a kid. I know I had a really strong, you know, when I was going through my teenage years and giving my parents grief, um, and they were fighting back, you know, at it, I had my grandparents there who'd already been there, done that, and they were relaxed, you know? And they were just accepting of me as I was, knowing it was a stage and it would pass. So that's where it's really hard um, for us, and I think hard for my son not having that there. So just having the counselor, even just for him to talk to, you know, even, and this counselor's really good, who lets him complain about his parents to him, but in a healthy way. Mm-hmm. You know, he would steer his thinking to a healthy way. So things have gotten better with that. They still struggle. He actually was given a diagnosis of ODD, which is um, oppositional defiant disorder. Um, I did some research after the doctor um, said that, and he waited about a year before giving him that diagnosis, but I did some research on that and found out that actually they say about 20% of all um, adolescent boys go through that. They'll grow out of it. Some don't. Mm. But about, but that there is kind of a, um, a seasonal aspect to it, that about 20% of all adolescent boys will develop this during adolescence. And, and you really want to grow out of it. You want to land on the word seasonal because that helps you get through it. <laughs> oh, it does, and that's what I'm praying for. Yeah. But I, I have this book sitting in my hands right now because this is something, when you asked me to do this, I really wanted to share it because this is one of the best books I have ever read um, that was recommended to me by another parent of teenagers. Yeah. And it was called, it's called The Age of Opportunity. Ooh. And okay. um, it says, A Biblical Guide to Parenting Teens, and the author is Paul David Tripp. It's... It's so good. <laughs> Explain it. It talks about, and this is where, because my husband's next up to read this, because he really struggles. And Patty, I know you shared before you struggle with your daughter. I think yeah. it's almost like a same-sex parent thing. That that's the person you have the most difficulty with in your in puberty in adolescence. Yeah, I think you have them because I mean I know I did as a teenager. I struggled with my mom. I had no problems with my dad. Um, I think it's your same-sex parent. So. My son has the most problems with my husband. And I have to interrupt you there. I think, too, yeah. the same-sex parent that is a lot like you. So, Probably. You know, something there that you're, it I don't know. Something. Yeah, it triggers something that you're butting heads together. Well, exactly. hmm So, anyways, this, this book, this approach is what I really love about it, is it first details all the physiological, physical, emotional, mental changes 
go on in a, in a teenager and a counselor to even talk to my husband about this is that, you know what, you're not dealing with just a smaller adult. <laughs> they don't think like us. They don't. Their brains aren't formed all the way. I mean, they say that the male brain isn't completely formed to like his mid-20, to which all the girls say, duh, you know. <laughs> yeah. I knew that already. <laughs> or mid-40. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So just for my, I think it's a, for some people that's just, that's a lift, you know, off your shoulders to understand they're not done yet. And they're not thinking, when they seem alien, it's because they are. They're not, they don't think the same way. So to be able to understand all those changes. And then they just really talk about how our society views the teen years as something, you know, you said at the beginning um, that you want to thrive, not just survive. And they touch on that here, that our society looks at just surviving the teen years. But they talk about it being an age of opportunity. Mm. Um, that it being, if you can handle it right, if you can let go of your own selfish motivations and anger and, um, you know, feelings of being put out, um, that it's, it's such a ripe age to be able to build into your kids and to be able, be able to build your relationship. So I'm like halfway through the book now. I'm usually a fast reader, but there's so much in this that I've just been, I'm highlighting like half of each page. So. Well, and it, just like you and I actually had this conversation last night, just what you just said is if you can just get past it rather than focusing and trying to dissect every single, you know, sentence that they're telling you and you're you're trying to correct them and trying to make them the the best independent child that you can possibly, you know, do in your household, if you just let some of that stuff just get by, not in a way that they're disobedient or being rude, but you and I were talking about how listening to a bunch of moms as they're dealing with potty training and uh-huh. You hear them bragging about, well, mine was potty trained at three months. <laughs> mine was potty trained at 15 months. And, you know, now I look at my kids, I don't even remember when they were, you know, potty trained. But at that time, that season, it's so significant to get them out of those diapers. <laughs> you don't have to change right. anymore. And if you can look at it right now in the teenage process and think the same thing, in two years from now, I'm not even. I'm not going to remember that they rolled their eyes. I'm not going to remember that. Oh, you might. I still remember the eye rolling. <laughs> but if I can just, it, some of that stuff, you just have to let go and let them express their emotions, not being disobedient, but they might be in a very expressive child. And some, some of that, you just like you said, you have to take it as an opportunity and go back in a non-conflicting time and maybe share. You know that's really not appropriate or that behavior is not, you know, how we need to um, express ourselves. But go back in a non-conflicting time rather at the time when you're butting heads. And Kim, right, really have like... it doesn't go anywhere. Exactly. <laughs> Especially for someone like my son who's diagnosed with this, okay? And so if the statistics are right, so there's one out of five moms out there, you know, with a teenage boy whose son acts like this. And if you respond when they're angry... It is going nowhere, and it it will spiral downward so fast. And I, I, I've, you know, like I said, I recognize this myself. I'm and still trying to help my husband in this. And that when he goes at it, when my son rolls his eyes or says something disrespectful. Okay, Kim, uh, we're going to stop right there and take a break. We'll be okay. right back. Okay.
This is Girlfriended on Toginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriend it Radio right after these. The Way of the Talker with hosts Lita and Lori Hamilton is a show unlike any other parenting program you've ever heard. Zen Masters in Diapers? Yes. Join us Tuesday afternoons at 5, 4 Central here on Toginet as we celebrate parenthood as a spiritual path for a journey to inner peace. With thought-provoking and spiritually compelling guests, each week Lita and Lori will explore how our children help us with the lessons we came here to learn, adding deeper meaning to our lives and relationships while giving you valuable gems to add to your unique parenting toolkit. Check out the website, thewayofthetoddler.com. With great humor and honesty, Lita and Lori will demonstrate how inner peace is possible even when surrounded by poopy diapers and piles of laundry. And what we can learn from the innate wisdom and natural spirituality of our Zen masters in diapers. It's The Way of the Toddler with Lita and Lori Hamilton. Tuesday afternoons at 5, 4 Central, here on toginet.com. Homeschooling? Have questions? Get your pen and paper ready. It's the sociable homeschooler, Vivian McNinney. Fridays at 5, 4 Central, on toginet.com. After a handsome blue-eyed Texan fell in love with Vivian at the Victoria Station in London, she found herself at DFW Airport with a tiny suitcase and a snazzy little duffel bag. Well, 25 years later, she is now happily married to that blue-eyed cowboy. They have four grown children, ages 24 to 18, who became willing guinea pigs when she unwittingly stumbled upon the world of homeschooling. Wildflower Academy flourished for 15 years. They survived and thrived, and you can too. Vivian will be covering a wide range of issues that face homeschoolers. What do you do with kids in the summer? How to set up your one-room schoolhouse? How obedience is paramount? And what to do with those snakes? Plus, you'll be sharing ideas and insights that she gleaned from other homeschoolers. So join us for an engaging hour with a sociable homeschooler. Vivian McNinney, Friday afternoons at 5, 4 Central on toginet.com. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Welcome back to Girlfriended, and we are talking about leading your life with impact, especially uh, at home and with your teenagers. And we have Bree Johns as our next guest. She is a high school youth pastor and a fabulous one at that, probably because I taught her everything she knows. <laughs> oh. Of course you will claim that. <laughs> Welcome, Bree. Hey, you guys. How are you this day? I'm great. It's so good to talk to you, and I've been listening to the show so far, and it's just a great discussion. I love um, just parents and, and teenagers and just the whole bit. So it's been cool to hear um, yours and Lisa's takes on it. It's good to hear Kim and um, just her being candid and honest about her struggles with her son, and um, I just got to say that... Um, you know, being a parent to the teens is, it's the hardest job in the whole world. It really is. And I, I'm not a parent to teenagers. I get to be the youth pastor and I get to send kids home after youth group, you know, and okay, you know, uh-huh. see you later. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think this is really good. And you are soon to be a parent. So congratulations. Thank you. I know. If I start burping or, you know, if I need to leave, I'll let you know. <laughs> Daddy will still ride at home if you do that. So it's, 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 
Well, you know, Bree, it's, it's good to, to hear, we want to hear your perspective because I know my husband and I were in youth industry for, you know, like 15 years ago, and it is radically different than it was even 15 years ago. And yeah. so you see a lot of trends and a lot of issues and a lot of parenting styles. And can you just kind of share with us um, some of the drama? It's like so many times there's drama with teens and um, especially girls. And then sometimes that distracts from just being with the kids that really want to move forward. Can you just talk about how you kind of manage just, you know, guiding teens from that, from your lens? Yeah, that is, that's a a really difficult balance because teens are all over the board and, you know, generational studies will show that, you know, you're not even really out of adolescence anymore until you're 25. And um, that just means that kids aren't being prepared for the road enough to know how to be a full-fledged adult. By the time, you know, back in the 70s when you were 18, you were kicked out of the house, go get a job. But now there's kind of this weird generational gap where they're going to college, they're coming back from college, and they're still trying to figure it out, and kids are um, delayed in just being able to be prepared for being a real grown-up. So um, what's hard is that there's there's teens that, that um, I think a lot of teens these days are just really, they have a lot of pressure on themselves, and um, we have to help them navigate through just relationships and identity issues and um, just love, and I think that the hardest part for uh, a youth pastor is to just kind of only be in their lives for so much time and then just kind of let them go and hope that they make the right decisions and really to try and empower them and challenge them and encourage them to make the right decisions and um, to uh, love others like Jesus does, and um, you just don't know where where they're all at, and you know, until those relationships keep starting, and, and you have those kids also that you have to build back up because they've already made mistakes, um, but my biggest uh, dilemma is just preparing the, the teen for the road, you know, instead of preparing the road for the teen. Mm-hmm. I think so often um, I, I watch parents, and I, I, I fear this for children, um, when parents get so involved in making their child happy and in helping them not have a bumpy path, not have conflict, you know, they fight their battles for them with teachers and with pastors and with uh, other parents and other even coaches and other teens. Um, when we do stuff like that, we're not helping them just experience life, you know, because life isn't always happy and it's not always easy. And um, and so I really try my best to do a balance in the way that we teach our teens um, with the life application stuff. Obviously, we teach values from the Bible, and as we're teaching those things, we have to help them personalize it. And um, sometimes I only have so much influence, and so when they go home, really the parent is their ultimate youth pastor. And so their example and their encouragement and their being present in everything that their teen's doing um, is a lot, makes a lot bigger impact than I could ever make. And, you know, that's interesting when you go back to um, the parents in this generation, we're fighting the fight for our, our teens, and I, and I know even as they go into college, you hear uh, the university saying we have the helicopter parents that are hovering. But go back to when you said there's just so many more pressures. What what do you think today that the teens are having more pressure than when you were a teen? Well, I don't know if you look at, like, 
you know, sports nowadays, as they start at five years old, it's it's way more intense. Um, the uniforms are, you know, for kids, they're trying to look like grown-ups. They're trying to be the perfect. There's so much pressure to perform. You can't play anymore. Um, in school, it's no longer 4.0 is, is good enough. You've got to have a 5.0 plus honors, plus service projects, plus all kinds of that. Um, and then, you know, I feel bad because we need to be really careful, too, as the Christian influence in their lives to not put pressure on them to say, you're not good enough, you need to read your Bible more, you need to pray more, you're not a good kid. So they have all these pressures. Their parents are pressuring them, their coaches are pressuring them, their teachers are pressuring them. There's this, um, just this societal kind of expectation to be perfect, or at least that's what they feel. And so I, in my youth group, I've got a ton of stressed out kids. And you know what? That has to be just on a side note. You are a pretty perfect person from the outside perspective. I won't make you list your flaws, <laughs> but um, that has to be even for your own girls in there to see you. I mean, you're you're beautiful. You're this dynamic. Oh my goodness! <laughs> you're you're loving all these kids. So um, that's interesting that you see that and you. That because there's probably there's that pressure as well, and well, and that's the counterpart to the pressure because I am in no way perfect, and I have so many struggles, and I think that what helps the teens um, when I have my youth leaders and my my volunteers, and when I meet with parents, is just to encourage them. The biggest thing kids need is for us to be authentic with them and to show them that. You know, I have a bad day, too, and I have these flaws, and I have these fears, and I have this anxiety, and I have these struggles. And just to let them know that this is, that life, I think we get so caught up in we need to be happy, we need to be happy, we need to be happy, and we don't... um you know, we don't help kids know that life is up and down. Life is challenging. We grow when we have those difficulties in our lives, you know, in those valleys, and we've got those mountaintop experiences. But there's something, and, and I don't know what it is, but kids are just craving right now euphoria and gratification, and, and, and they're, they're over, overly exposed by all kinds of stuff on TV and media where they think life is supposed to be perfect, and if it's not, then there's something wrong with them. So that's where more of the pressure comes in as well, in the comparison game and then the eating disorders and things that that become um, just diseases either of the mind or of the body where they just don't know you know, how to cope because nobody's told them that life, life is a journey of ups and downs. Like that just has never been a reality taught to them. And sometimes I think parents and, and even us youth pastors, if we don't show that that is a part of life, if we're trying so hard to be an example of perfection, then we're misleading our, our children. Well, you know what? You're, okay, we're just sitting here with our mouths open because this is just so profound. What you're saying is significant. And, it, you know, you, you do think back, we – the teens are being shown so much on TV that life really should be about a party. And if it's right. not a party, it's not the party atmosphere, and it's not like, like you said, euphoric, then something's wrong. And right. the buzzword around now when you, when you see anything on leadership and everything is about authenticity and vulnerability. And right. I think we need to project that to our kids to go, it's okay to say, I'm not okay right now. And I think even as women, we see each other and we, you know, we pass by and go, hey, how are you? And we always answer, I am fine. But even underneath, we're dying inside, and we're just on the verge of tears. And right. I think even for teens, I think we have to start mo- mo- modeling, and that was a hard word to get out, um, <laughs> vulnerability and authenticity to go, you know what, like you said, life is not about happiness. And 
not always happy, and that's okay. It's okay to show that's the pain. <laughs> I know. Thank that's you. That's okay to show pain. And then the complete pendulum pendulum swing to the other side is mm-hmm. we also have to be the adult. And, and our teenager is not our friend. It's not our therapy session. Our teenager isn't somebody that we completely air our dirty laundry with, but that we can at least give them a glimpse into, yeah, I'm having a bad day, or I'm, you know, I'm struggling with this or that. Um, but, you know, you don't want to – you know, run the risk of allowing your your child to become your counselor or your best friend, um, that becomes really dangerous because now you're projecting on your team to be something that you need, and, and in actuality, they need you. You know, you can still be the example, but you've got to grow through your challenges and show them the example of how you overcome, not just being in a pit. Well, and you know what? You see so many, even as moms, they almost um, enter this competitive world with their teen daughters. They right. dress like that and they act like that and try to be, like you said, their buddy, when that's not your role as a parent is to be your child's buddy. They exactly. Need a figure, they need somebody that's going to draw the line in the sand and say, do not cross this. And I just remember even with my own daughter, she later, you know, said, thank you for drawing that line because I needed that. I resisted it, but I needed it, and I really wanted it, even mm-hmm. though outwardly I would – I would tell you, I would resist it to you. And I think so many times as parents, we just, we so want, we don't, we want, don't want conflict and we want our kids to like us and we pay a high price for that. Well, right. Ree, we have less than two minutes and I can't believe it's gone by this fast. <laughs> um, what is, in less than two minutes, what is some things you want to leave, all your wisdom, which we so appreciate you taking your time out of your busy schedule to share this insight, which we're chatting to people behind the scenes, and this is just great information. So, oh, good. Probably no problem a, at all. Well, this we, has been a blast. It has been a blast. We'll do this again. But what would you leave as a couple things to parents? As well, we I, the not. number one thing is do not check out on your teenager. This is when they need you the most. You know, you know the terrible twos, and you want to give up on them. This is the terrible teens, and it's not easy. This is, it's. I would say, parenting for teens is not for sissies. Um, you gotta be your strongest. You gotta be on your game. Um, keep loving your your child with the ups and downs. You know, don't always shame them. Make sure your conversations with teens are where your teen is not always about what they're doing wrong, but just really show interest in their life and be with them. Just that presence, being in their lives, um, sitting with them, letting them open up to you without you interrogating them. Um, that's how relationships are formed. And it, you know, and that's so well said. And and um, I think it's, this has been such an encouragement to parents, even if you're on the verge of, of having teens, just to hear the thing so you're prepared as you go into those teen years that this is what's coming. But don't we, give up. This don't give up, and don't give up on your on your child, and just love them through that, and let them make mistakes, and let them be real. And we need to be modeling that what we want our children to be back for us. Thank you, Bree, so much. Stay with you're me. welcome. Thank you. This is Girlfriended on Toginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. Everyday Autism Miracles with Shannon Pinron. Friday afternoons at 2, 1 central on Toginap.com. 
Life after an autism spectrum diagnosis doesn't have to be difficult. It can be joyful, happy, and filled with hope. Join Shannon Penrod, author, speaker, coach, and mom of a six-year-old recovering from autism for this inspirational hour of hope. She's even authored a series of children's autism books with her son, Jim. For more information about the books, Shannon, and Everyday Autism Miracles, go to her website, shannonpenrod.com. From there, you can also get to her other websites, blogs, and connections. On Everyday Autism Miracles, you'll hear stories from parents whose children have made miraculous strides. You'll also get the inside dish on therapies, treatments, supplements, and how to get funding to help you afford them. Miracles abound in the autism community. So tune in for Everyday Autism Miracles to listen, share, laugh, and surround yourself with hope. Everyday Autism Miracles with Shannon Penrod. Friday afternoons at 2, 1 central on Togenet.com. Do holidays and celebrations get you down and leave you feeling frazzled? Then join Sandy Fowler and her guests on Heartfilled Holidays every Monday at noon, 11 a.m. central on Togenet.com. Sandy will help you discover the secrets to having the celebrations you've always dreamed of while adding fun and meaning to your life. From Valentine's Day to Christmas to special family events, Sandy Fowler will show you how to put the fun and meaning back into those special days by taking a look at what we can do to turn the upcoming holidays into cherished memories and show us how to allow it to intertwine with everyday life. For more on the show, Sandy, and to receive Sandy's Holiday Happiness Booklet, go to HeartfilledHolidays.com. Then get set to discover the secrets to creating happy holidays and happy everydays by joining Sandy Fowler and her guests on Heartfilled Holidays every Monday at noon Eastern Standard Time on Toginet.com. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Welcome back. We've been talking about how to lead your life with impact, especially at home with your teenagers. And we've been talking about effective communication, um, don't push perfection. We're really putting a lot of stress, stress and pressure on our teens. And specifically, don't check out. And now we are our next guest we are going to talk with is Denise Starr, and she is a high school guidance counselor. And, Denise, we are just so excited to have you on the show. We know you are in the trenches um, right now as we speak. So thank you, thank you, thank you for being with us today. Well, thank you for having me. Well, you are a high school guidance counselor, and you kind of come from the lens of the academic world. What tips can you give our listeners today to better prepare them as parents guiding their teens through high school? Well, I think the first step is, is uh, as I heard from your other guest earlier, is that, yes, don't check out and make sure that you're communicating with the teachers and staying on top of those credits and grades right away from freshman year. Don't wait until their junior or senior year and think that your kids are taking care of it because that's the one thing that we get is at the very end, it's, you know, senior year, they come to us and say, oh, I had no idea my student was so far behind. And, you know, we've tried to do so much communication throughout the four years, but, you know, they really need to start as freshmen that first semester really getting in there, making sure they're getting good grades, they're staying on top of their attendance, and communicating with those teachers. Well, and this is where it's so hard, Denise, because on one hand, we hear that we're the generation of these hovering parents that are you know, taking on our kids and, and doing their, their battles for them. And then on the other hand, you see the opposite, where right. exactly what you said, all of a sudden your your kid's a senior, which my son all of a sudden was like, Mom, you didn't help me figure this out. <laughs> <laughs> and, 
<laughs> I will sit in there in their, you know, orientation classes, and it's like you can go online, you can you can literally daily look at their progress, yes. but grades they're getting, and I, I'm in awe that parents have time to even, you know, do that. And right. You know, it's like okay, no one checks my daily grade when I. <laughs> right. When I was right. This, right? Yeah. Absolutely. And the nice thing is, because so many schools are now to using an online program where you can do it from home, you can do it at night. Um, our system is set up where the parent can get a weekly email that says, you know, here, check your grades out for your student or their attendance. And I think it just really helps the parent. You may not want to fight their battles, which I totally agree. The kids still need to start fighting their own battles, but just staying on top so you know what's going on. So when you have those conversations at home about what are your plans for after you graduate and what are you wanting to do, you really have a realistic view because you can't expect a student to who is doing poorly in school with D's and C's in their grades and think, oh, I'm going to go directly to a university if they're doing poorly in their core classes. And I think that's where the reality needs to be is that, okay, what what is my kid doing academically? What is the next step for them? Is a community college their route? Is a trade school their route? And really start looking at those for the four years that they're there. They're planning for those things so that you're setting that child up and not come senior year and say, they're going directly to university. And I'm like, ooh, these first three years were not very good. You know, I just don't think that they're going to be successful there now. So... I think that staying in touch in the beginning is very crucial because you can't go back and change those grades, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, and that's such a good good point. And, like, my kids, it's been about 10 years, and we didn't have this access where you can go online. So right. you really are making – this is like I didn't, I didn't realize this, but it's good to know that parents, if they will take the time to engage, can stay right on top of things. And we used to be depending on what your kids brought home. Right. And now you can really engage, which I think is good for kids to know that – we, there's some accountability there. We know what you're doing and not doing. Exactly. And just partnering with your child and with you guys as guidance counselors and not just projecting it's your job to help my kids get to college, but it really is a partnership. And right. if we can just get parents to see that and just lead their child well, like you said, from the very beginning of high school. And right. that and not get shocked at the end when it's when it's too late. Right, exactly, exactly. And the, and the kids do need to take some ownership of it, but and that's where we, um, the system we use, the students get their own password and they can look, log on on them by themselves, and the parents have their own passwords. So it's really great because you know the students are really involved in it. They all look at their own grades. They're all tracking them on their own, um, and and that's really important because I think that if the students are doing it and taking ownership, then the parents then will just be supporting that. And saying, oh, yeah, you know, I saw that you missed that assignment. And, you know, the kid then gets to be held accountable for why they didn't do that assignment or didn't turn it in or whatever. And I, and I know um, doing the grades is one thing. And I know Bree had mentioned just even the, the service hours, um, the community service hours. I wish I would have been more aware of that. I know my son went to Turkey and could have included all those into his service hours. But when they come back, it's, it's too late. They had to have those forms ahead of time. And, Sure. And, yeah, it's like, okay, I didn't get the memo on that. Right. Yeah, the community service has really become a really big piece for um, for students that they really, you know, especially if students are looking out of state, they really want a well-rounded student now and not just that academic kid or just that, oh, I'm an athlete. They really want kids that are showing leadership roles. The community service is huge. Um, just that you're being an active and well-rounded student instead of just, sitting at home and studying all the time and getting those phenomenal grades. So, um, and there are a lot of scholarships out there now that are really looking more at just community service. They're community service-based scholarships, which, you know, is great. And if you know those things, you start 
you know, tracking those hours before you, you know, when you come into high school, before you know it, you'll have well over 100 hours in just a couple of years. And I love that aspect, that community, you know, involvement, because I think so many times we do swing the pendulum either one way or the other, and so much in the academics, but then they get in the real world and they don't even know how to interact. And if, and we got to instill in our kids, it is about giving back. Life is about giving back and, and serving. And so if that really is part of the scholarship, I think that's awesome. That's an awesome piece to add in there as well as the academics. Because I just remember when my kids were were in school, it's like I wanted to know that they could socially um, interact as well as academically because life is not just, you know, when you get out there, it's not always about your grades. It's about how do you combine your grades with what you are doing, putting the action to that. And so I think that is just, that's great that we're doing that, putting that emphasis there. Everybody wants a mom like that. I just want you to be social. Yeah. <laughs> not your grades. Yes. Yes. No, I they didn't. All- that. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't say that because I was about the grades, but I really do like the social part too. <laughs> yes, absolutely. You, and you have to have both. You really do. You got to have, you know, be able to interact on the social level, but also, um, you know, keep those grades up. It's a lot to ask of students these days. I know we're asking a lot of them, but, you know, so many of them are rising to the occasion, and I think we just need to continue to keep that bar that high so that all kids will eventually, you know, rise to that level and and do all of it and, you know, do well academically and, you know, keep that social piece going as well. Well, what uh, from your lens and just being in the school system and you see so many kids, because I know so many times we'll see kids and we've worked with, you know, high schoolers and you can look at them and see some, some, um, some disbehaviors and so many times when you meet the parents, and I'm not being judgmental, but you can see that where they're getting some of their attitudes and stuff. It's coming from that the parents. It was yes. just, but you see that a lot. <laughs> yes. um, and I'm okay with that because that's a fact. It's not gossip. Right. Um, mm-hmm. what, do you, what would you say to parents just um, from what you're seeing in the schools? Are you seeing uh, parents getting um, more engaged, less engaged, apathetic to their kids, just kind of like dropping them off? What would you say to parents to go partner with us better? You know, um, it, it, it depends on the year. Some years are getting better and some years are getting worse. Um, and I think that um, really the engagement, making sure that you are actively engaged in your child's life, whether it's in that school aspect, in every aspect of their life, you just want to make sure that you're talking to your kids and wanting to be an active part in their life. And if you're choosing to not be an active part in their life, then that's where you see this disconnect and you see where those kids are acting the way that they act or, you know, they're modeling what their parents are doing. And I think if parents understand, wow, I really am that model and my kids are mirroring me, that that if they make better choices, their kids are going to make better choices. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, um, we only have a few more minutes, and we just, this has been so enjoyable, Denise, for you to um, be able to share. And I, and I think, like you said, um, don't check out and making sure that you know about the academics, you know about going online to help kids with their grades, as well as the community service, because there's so many scholarships uh, out there. What would be another tip that you would give our, our listeners, especially the parents out there? Um, and how to help their teenagers with high school? Um, Just to be there to listen. You know, a lot of times kids just want to talk, and I think that if they know they can go to their parents and they can talk about anything, um, that you have you build that better relationship with your kids, um, and you'll end up learning way more than you ever thought you would learn um, by asking questions if you just sit and listen to them and, and have them talk because that's really what they need. They don't necessarily want somebody to tell them what to do or how to do it. If you're just kind of in the background listening and being their support, you end up having a better relationship with those kids, and you'll end up having 
overall the four years a better four years with your kids. And I, I love that you just said listening because so many times, as a matter of fact, um, Lisa and I are, are coming out to your neck of the woods today to talk yes. about um, an organization called Streetlight Phoenix that uh, helps the survivors of human trafficking and helps them um, find a, a place to for all kinds of holistic healing. And when we talk with these girls that have been in the, the human trafficking and sex trafficking, so many times it's... There were things going on, and nobody was there just to listen and right. see what there would have been. There would have been things that maybe a parent could have caught the behavior, and it might just even be a new friend in their life that was coercing them to do things that um, they wouldn't normally have gone down that path if they just would have had someone listening. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And that's where I think the parent comes in as that sometimes they think that they have to be parenting all the time. And I think sometimes you just need to sit and listen and, you know, you don't always have to fix their problems. You just kind of have to be there so that they can talk. Well, and, you know, we just appreciate you guys and your roles that you play um, with, with the kids and with school because so many times you guys are the only ones that are listening to kids. They're not getting listened to at home. They're not getting validated at home. And you guys really do play a significant role and shaping just the future, truly. And you've seen so many kids that have come out of um, poor um, environments at home, and it has been a guidance counselor or a teacher that has made a huge impact on their life and allowed them to become the person they were, you know, designed to be. So we just applaud what you guys do and that you care and you take the time. And um, even today we're coming out later um, and talking to just a group of you guys that you just want to know how to identify some trends and just to be aware, just the, the learning, ongoing learning is so significant, you know, learning your children, learning at the school system, and just learning so we can lead better at home and in our community. And with that, we're going to have to close down and just say thank you again, Denise, for joining us and for being a part of our conversation today about how do we lead better at home for greater impact with our teenagers and beyond and learn how to truly thrive through these years and really like our kids when it's all over and said and done with. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks so much and have a great day. Thank you. You too. Thank you for being a part of this special program, Girlfriend It, the show dedicated to the most important woman you know, yourself. It's the show 